0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Morale Clubhouse hosted by the unofficial director of morale of the Chicago Cubs, Dom Frederick. We're talking weekly with people in and around the Chicago Cubs organization and Wrigley Field, players, fans, announcers, employees, bartenders, whoever it may be to get a pulse of what's going on around Wrigleyville. This week we have on John Boog Shiambi of marquee network and we're talking everything from our beloved 2016 cubs of course we can't stop talking about them a past couple of down seasons dansby swanson and what he think he can bring to the table and his first experiences in seeing why wrigleyville is just different before we get to the show this episode is brought to you by clubhouse athletic custom team apparel If you need any team apparel for your organization, sports team, reach out to them. They have the best athleisure hoodies you can customize for your team. We love them here over at Morale Supply Co., and they handle all of our merch as well. So we trust them. Great designs, great product. If you're interested, you get 20% off your first order when you mention morale. When you reach out, go to www.clubhouseathletic.com. That's www.clubhouseathletic.com for great team wear. Elevate your team wear today. Now into the show.
1: All right, everybody. Thanks for joining again. We have our uh, another episode of the Offseason Morale Podcast. We've been doing this the last couple of weeks, bringing a few guests on, players. And today we are very thankful for John Boog Shambi to join us. Uh, pretty much now the face of the Marquee Network. Boog, thank you for being here. How are you doing? I'm good. My pleasure. Yeah, it's uh, got a nice little uh, taste of Cubs convention uh, last weekend. So I'm I'm starting to get excited for the beginning of the season. Yeah, let's just get right into that. I know it's your first one. I know uh, this is your third year on the job. Tell us what you thought about the Cubs convention, seeing all the fans there for the first time since 2020, since we've had it. I think everybody... Described what it would be like. I just don't think I could totally understand it without doing it in person. So, just the amount of fans and everywhere you went, and again, just underlines how special the fan base is. So, I I, I loved it. I mean, the, the opportunity for me to you know engage with some fans one on one was fun and. I mean, I think everybody knows that I like to, you know, to play around. And so I had some some fun moments just, you know, catching up with fans. I did a couple of uh voice messages and you know, answering machine messages, stuff like that for people. And yeah, it was uh it was just cool. It was it was neat to see how excited everybody was. Yeah, I, I love it too and I know there's other fans that uh, really dive into it. I, I'm assuming you probably saw Crawley. Uh, you probably oh. heard of Crawley before? Yes and, he, and he's the the bingo legend. Fans like that who really just go and, and like he said, try to try to shut down the shut down every single night and all the, the bars and restaurants there. Um, what was the, yeah. the biggest surprise for you in terms of? Um, maybe maybe it was something you've heard a, a fan ask at a one of the Q and A sessions, or something one of the players or coaches said. Is there any surprise that came about while you were there over the weekend? I don't think so. I I mean, not a surprise. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say so. I mean, I I felt like people were excited and you know certainly pumped up about Dansby and. Think it look in the macro. I've been around enough teams. I think most teams are able to get thirty-seven of the forty that are on their roster to come to something like that. That doesn't happen very often, man. So yeah. I just I thought it was neat that so many of the players were were able to come and, and be a part of it. What what I think and listen, you're you're in the business of getting people excited and fired up about your team i don't have the same job you have but i try to do the same thing every single year to get fans you know excited about the team as you're looking ahead towards this season what what are some of the storylines or um maybe sticks or taglines that i don't want to say give it away now but what are a few things you're looking at for this team uh, moving into the season with a bunch of new additions i mean i think the starting point is I'm not, it's going to end the same way and not even trying to imply it, but it's still fun. You know, for look, for all the emotion and fun parts of 2016, analytically, if you were to sum up what made that team special, elite, and distinctive, is that they took balls that were put in play into outs at a rate that we hadn't seen in a really long time. I would say that if you were to look at what the anchor of this team will be, I don't know that they'll pitch to the same level as that team, but they're going to defend. I mean, the anchor of this team is going to be run prevention, and it's going to be taking balls in play and turning them into outs. And I think that the two guys up the middle are going to be an absolute blast to watch. Um, certainly Bellinger and Barnhart as well, but specific to Dansby and Nico, I think that the defense is the first thing that that jumps out. So I think the ball will be in play, and I think that that this team defensively is going to be a lot of fun, and we're going to get a chance. There are going to be athletic cats out there on the field, man. Yeah, and just the way the the pitching staff is, we talked to Justin last week and, and kind of asked him, hey, does does your mindset change in terms of trying to get more ground balls and with the lack of a shift? And he kind of said, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily going to change, but I'm definitely going to feel more freed up in terms of uh, not feeling like if I give this outside pitch uh, away to the hitter, that he's just going to be able to slap it the other way and I'm not going to have a middle infielder that's going to make that play. And for me personally, I just feel like that's going to be a major, major catalyst to whatever the Cubs are. If they're if they're uh, competing for a wild card or competing for a division, I'm right along with you, trying to make sure that it, whatever we do, that the defense is really leading the way. Yeah, and I think that it will be the case. And I would say, you know, look, you're they're playing in a division that's it's it's be favorable. I mean, I think the Cardinals will be the favorites, and then the Brewers, and then the Cubs. But I uh, I would say. You know, when you look at it, adding an extra playoff spot, the ability to make the playoffs or at least contend for the playoffs, you know, if you're if you're on pace for a tad over 500, you're going to be playing games that matter in September. You just are. Absolutely. And I kind of want to use your experience to give Cubs fans a frame of reference we always think back to like the big signing of John Lester in 2015, that 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 signing that gives the team a cornerstone player to make that jump into a competitive window, which we're hoping the Cubs are going into with your time with the Marlins and the Braves. Can you give us another example of a a guy that was brought onto a team that made a big difference and maybe turned a window or opened a window or flipped a switch for that team, whichever you were covering over the years? I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know that. I mean, again, I think that stuff does become and I'm that it becomes a little narrative based. I mean, look, they they had to make other moves and John was, you know, was ready to be sort of the face of it. And then, you know, eventually Jake ended up being the you know the real ace for a couple yeah. of a couple of seasons. The thing that stood out to me con was just Dansby carry over from press conference but he just so clearly wants to be here wants to be the face of the franchise wants to be the guy whose shoulders it rests on I just yeah you have to love that I think trying to figure out you know who's the guy that flips the switch type of thing you know some of it's narrative based and that's fine I'm good with it but I I just would say it's exciting when you get a player that you sign who so clearly wants to be there. Um, so it it does to me feel like this is the beginning of um, good stuff. Yeah, and, and listen, I know, I know you're on Twitter and, and you're you're following the narratives that are out there in mainstream media, and maybe you hear the negativity that that Cubs Twitter or Cubs fans have at times when they're saying, you know, I think everyone can agree the landscape of major league baseball is changing. Right. And, and yeah. when you have a owner like Steve Cohen and you have an organization like the Dodgers and what the Padres are doing that are truly going all in, I think to give a, a Cubs fan perspective, we kind of felt like we were being left at the altar at times, you know, where, right. where there were some players that in the past, we felt like we were the main destination through 2015 to 2018 where free agents wanted to be here and they, they, they felt like uh, this was the place for them and they wanted to play at the federal landmark and they wanted to play the day games and wear the pinstripes mm-hmm. and all that type of stuff. I think it was very we, we needed a signing like that to where mm-hmm. fans felt yeah. like, wow, like like we're we're back in it again. Regardless of whether the team's going to win a division or make a run to the playoffs in 2023, we we needed something to um you know, some type of feather in our cap to 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 feel like all right, we can move forward with this. Yeah, I think look, it's exciting. I get it. I and I, and I know, you know, part of fandom is like you're not always going to be rational, but Oh, no. You know, yeah. You're, you ultimately, <laughs> ultimately, I mean, we could sit there and dissect Steve Cohen and all of that stuff. But, you know, so far, they've gone first round and out in the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? You. Like, so I hear you. It, it's, you know, and I, I don't know that I would say that they'd be the favorite for this year. So I it's look, I totally get in the overall what you're, you know, what you're talking about and, and fans wanting to see, you know, the Cubs in a space where they're trying to get their hands on, you know, the most elite level talent. I think the reality is there's gotta be some mix. It's almost impossible to do it without some type of homegrown player or players because it gives you cost efficiency, um, and so I, you know, again, I, I think that the, the farm system is so crucial, and I also would say that, in some regard, you're looking at a farm system that's like a bunch of lottery tickets, and of course, I don't think they have anybody that projects to be a dude, not yeah. like. But I but when you have that many lottery tickets, you know, they didn't think Mike Trout was gonna be a dude like this. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like so yeah. I it, there's there's countless examples of guys that pop, and I think the hope is that you know some of those guys will pop. And my expectation would be that there will be another monster free agent signing between now and being in the next world series yeah no I I totally agree and I to go back to what you were saying you're right there there isn't a Chris Bryant there isn't a a hobby bias there there might be a Rizzo right you know you're hoping Mm -hmm. that Mervis can can be a guy from the left side like Rizzo was but you're totally right with and I think that would make Cubs fans nervous too if something hadn't gotten done when you're you're kind of thinking well where are we going to get this star if we don't have it in the minor yeah, leagues yet where where are we going to get this star i want to turn it to obviously again very thankful you're here and, and giving us the time boog you you came into marquee at a frankly at a time of transition right coming into 2021 you you had to be there for the the sell-off in july when You know, all all the key guys were there. It's your first year. You have had to broadcast, which you've done a fantastic job doing, some tough games, some, some, you know, two losing seasons. Can you give me your um, perspective on the job when you came in in 2021 now to when you're starting to see things turn? How has that perspective changed over the last couple of years? Well, remember, I think that the team that I had initially – you know, signed on to broadcast. I mean, they had traded Darvish and they had um, let Schwarber go, but yeah. it was still a team that had enough pieces that I think you thought that they would be, you know, in competition for the playoffs. Um, but I think you started to get an idea of, you know, the future was a little bit murky with that lot. I mean, I will say this as an outsider. I covered that team a lot. Yeah. But I wasn't emotionally tied to that group the way I am now and the way the fans were. Yeah, There is a certain irony in terms of everybody wanted those guys to stay. Yeah. And I like all of those guys and still talk to those guys. But like, man... We'd be in some trouble if all those guys had gotten signed to extensions. No, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I I I I hear the objective part of it and I I you know, I I like do think play. about it for a second. Dude. I know. Keep them all. <laughs> I know. Holy cow. I, I mean, yeah, I agree if yeah. you're sitting there on Brian deal on Hobby's deal and they had gone bigger on Riz. Like how, I I hear you. I I, I think, you know, listen, I will, I I think a lot of Cubs fans, myself included, will play into bring them home, bring them back, bring them back to 1060 West Addison, right, as as the whole shtick goes. Um, Is there any part of you that wishes, and I, you know, you were doing great things before you came here. Is there any part of you that wishes that you would have seen that while you were covering some games, is there any part that you could have seen that? crew together a little bit longer into you know your maybe first or obviously last season just to kind of feel how vibrant it was when that group was around I got to feel it no I mean I I did look I did 15 to 20 Cubs games a year nationally um in 15 16 17 18 yeah, I would. T- I would text with Jake. I would text with Riz. I would text with Brian, like with Schwarber. Like, I, I, I got it. Like, I yeah. got it. Did I need it after the fact? Like, that's probably where it's a little bit. Nah. Okay, fair I, I enough. I mean, I love, but, but don't misunderstand me. Like, I'm saying that totally in terms of what the results ended up being. Like, I, I love it. those dudes. Like, if you could, I mean, look, I get it. I said it at CubsCon. Look, you win in 16. You don't just want them to win again. You want them to win again with Javi, Schwartz, Riz, and KB. You want you two to make the Joshua Tree again. Make the exact same album. What do you want on the next U2 album? I'd like you to write, please have no name, part two. I get it. Amazing song. Loved it. But like, Just one of those. And that's where, you know, I can, I can be clinical because I can, because I wasn't right there the way Len was the way JD was, but I, I get the way it ended up having to play out. And I also will tell you this again, to underline the point, that was a special group of dudes, man. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, when Rossi, Playing there, Zobris, Jay Hay. Like, it was a special group of guys. And that trio of dudes. I mean, look, I'll tell you this right now. One of my favorite broadcasts I've ever done in my life was a spring training broadcast, the Cubs and the Angels, and Riz and KB were mic'd up. Like, if you're bored, go rewatch that. It is so entertaining and it's entertaining having, it was, I was broadcasting the game. I was watching the game. It was just them talking, (laughs) being amazing. And when your elite level players are that type of personality, it's magnificent. So like, I get it, but ultimately, you know, to steal the line, whoever, you know, whether it's Jed's or Theo's, but like, yeah, I'm interested in seeing the next great club team, period, period. Yeah. That's what no, I want to see. That, that That's totally fair. And speaking of going back and watching your past work, look, you've been doing this for a long time. You've, you've been doing it uh, around the country for a long time. How do you – I'm not an announcer, but I would love to know how would you – Or or how do you look at trying to improve your craft every single year? Are you still watching the tape? Maybe like you were as a younger broadcaster after games, hanging on every single thing you said, if you did, or trying to dissect every single call you made after, you know, at the end of the night? I'm not. I, I, I would say I, looking at tape, I think, You'll find people like me or don't like me. The one thing I can guarantee you is the more games we win, the more people are going to like me Yeah, because I am the guy that gives them the good news. Yep. The ball is going over the fence more. Yeah. More I like that Boob Shambi guy. <laughs> um, I, I would tell you this, this is how I, 40s, the thing that I learned was really to just do me so that stuff I'd make you laugh with if we were just hanging out is the same type of stuff that I'll drop on JD. Really take what am I like on the air and what am I like off the air? It's the thing I say to young announcers, what you're trying to do, and it takes time. It seems simple enough, but Sometimes it's a little scary to just do you, but you're trying to, what do you like on the air? What do you like off the air? And you want it to be like this, man. You want it to be, like, you don't want to be a character or at least instances where that will work. The way I, like, I prove, get better, whatever, is just getting in there and getting to know our guys, to the yep. point where they're telling you fun stuff, because I still ultimately think when you're doing it day in, day out and you deconstruct it, what the fans want to know, Hey, what are they like? What are those guys like? And anything that I can get informationally that tells you just a tiny bit about what they're really like, a glimpse behind the curtain And what those exchanges between me and Happer or Nico um, are like, I think that's the stuff. So like when I go to spring training, I just getting to sit and talk and find out about guys and just try and learn. And then what I'm trying to do is translate that to our fans. And I think that allows our fans to be more connected to our players Then when Ian hits the walk-off, Homer, just lean into it. I I would say I probably – I don't think I go back and and look at the tape all that often. To me, it's just more I really want to get to know these guys. I want guys to feel comfortable so that I can translate it to the fans so the fans can be connected to the players. We're going to jump in with a quick question. And you kind of alluded to this when you said, you know, when the team starts winning, they'll you'll have some more fans. To the same extent, I feel like as an announcer, as the games get better, it's probably easier to do your job. So, yes, during those couple down seasons, do you have to work a little bit extra to get some funny stories out of the guys? Yes, you know, talk to the swindells yeah, Yep, you you have to work harder. But I would also say this of where jobs special you know like again guys I've been to the place so that you know when I blurted out the line I want to be where baseball matters and it matters on the north side here's the point 88 games last year we're playing the Pirates on a Monday in September there's 36,000 people there You're right. There's not too many places that are like that. So yes, I have to work harder. But also I still like one of the moments in my first two years that stand out is just random. We're in the middle of the second half in year, my first year in 21 during the time when about to, I I guess it must've been right off of the no hitter, and then we lost 11 in a row. But it was in the middle of the 11 game losing streak, playing the Phillies 2 2 game. Phillies take the lead in like the sixth or the seventh, and the bases are loaded, and we're still on defense, and it's three and two, and everybody gets up. So we've lost seven in a row, yeah. down 4 2 after the game was tied at two. And everybody gets up and starts cheering, and it's like, let's go. Keep it at 2 <laughs> Sitting there announcing the game. Just like, yeah. <laughs> let's go, boo. I love it. Right? Those are the types of people that I want to have in my foxhole. Yeah. Those are the types of guys. the All... I mean, just the stop type that of it's people. like, I want to just stop the game and just be like, yeah, this is why this place is special. This is, this is it right here. And we're losing. It's like the, I don't know if you've seen it. It's like the the meme of the guy on the airplane, just walking through the aisle trying to shake that one guy's hand. That's what I want to do to all the people in right. the, in the federal landmark shake every single one of their hands just to show yeah. that I appreciate how much effort and enthusiasm they're, they're giving to yes. a team that's just lost seven straight. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I want to go back to what you said about uh, working hard and, and trying to get to know the players the best. Over the course of your career, can you give me a guy that you had to work extra hard with to try to br- bring a wall down, but after you did that, gave you some of the best material that you used? Oh, it's a great question. Um, Man, I'm trying to think of, I'm trying to think of somebody that I really had to, to grind on. Um, It's a great question. I just don't have, there, there's definitely examples. I don't, I don't have it off the top of my head. I mean, left the Marlins after Oh four, the next year they signed Carlos Delgado. And I guess the one thing that, that he was always sort of measured. So at that point I was doing games for ESPN, but I would, we did a decent amount of Marlins games because they were supposed to be pretty good two years after they won the world series, but we would have conversations and he would be very measured. Um, eventually when the conversation would end, I'd sort of leave. No, I'd sort of leave. I would leave. And his joke was like, is that it? We're done. Like he, he always wanted me to like bang the, bang the gavel and like dismiss the case. Um, he made me work. He made me work a bit. There's definitely other guys. N- nothing's like coming to mind. I think in a quiet moment, I could probably give you a, a better answer, but I will tell you this. I love that part of it. Like I'm the, Person, I mean, look, Barry Bonds would might be the the example. I mean, I've I've already cursed, so I can curse, right? Yeah, whatever you want. So, just doing the Marlins game, I would interview guys, and I and it was you know ninety or so, and Bonds is in the visiting clubhouse, and he walks past me. I'm like, hey, Barry, John Shumby, uh would you come on Marlins pregame with me? <laughs> walks past me and just like looks at me and doesn't break stride and keeps going. Now, basically like, I'm not, that's not where this is ending. Like, I need, (laughs) I need a a verbal no from him. So I said, so he comes back out and I said, Barry, Marlon's radio, seven minutes, five minutes, easy. And he stops and he goes, no. And I looked at him and I go, sure, because like the people want to hear from you. And he said, get paid for this interview. And I'm like, yep. And he's like, am I gonna get paid for this interview? Nope. And he goes, That's what I'm talking about. And then he just walked away. <laughs> but but I probably interviewed Barry like three or four times. That persistence, like we would have that exchange. And he probably cursed me out two other times, but then there were three or four other times where I got him, and he was brilliant, engaging, thoughtful, all of it. Did you remember the first time you big uh he big league you? Would you ever bring it up to him? absolutely absolutely not. He's the type of guy that like I saw him in San Francisco like two years ago, and like, you know my my weight just. Goes all over the place. You know, I battle it. Um, this thing he says when he sees me, he's like, Man, you've gotten heavy, huh? And I was like, How are you? Good to, good to see you. Thanks. That made me feel great. All right. And then we just go and then we just talk. But like, that's the first thing that he says. That's how it is. Wow. <laughs> how about, now, now, now I might understand you've got a lot why, of weight, huh? That's a now, good now, why, now, I might understand more <laughs> why some uh, people have some bones to pick with them still pretty amazing to watch as a player. It it is a good story. I don't mean to laugh at your offense either. (laughs) No, not at all. No, I told you. Nobody made me tell you the story, you know. I appreciate it. Um, Boo, I I don't want to keep you for too long. Listen, I know once we get closer to spring training around, it's going to be like March 20th, March 25th. I'm going to be watching you do the games. I'm going to be watching J.D. give the analysis. I'm going to be dialing into what's about to happen to start the season. And I know I'm going to talk myself into not saying I'm wrong, not saying I'm right, but I know I'm going to talk myself into this team making a run at the end of the season to the postseason. Piggyback off of that for me. Give give, give me some type of give me some type of juice to carry us out. Some type of morale that we can feed off of going into spring training and hopefully having a, a hot start at the beginning of the year. Look, I I mean it, it's not. I'm, it's not my, my, not as sexy as you would like it to be, but let's just say for fun, they're projected to win three or 84 games. If you're projected to win 83 or 84, as you go into September, you still have a chance to win 87 or 88. If Absolutely. you have a chance to win 87 or 88, that's a good chance to make the playoffs. I agree. So, look, think that. Becomes, what do they look like offensively? Of the so I think of first base as two guys for three spots in a platoon setting with Mervis Hosmer and Mancini. I mean, again, I hope we're not putting too much on Matt Mervis as a guy who's come out of nowhere. You know, drafted twenty thousand dollars, a monster last year, but like he wasn't even one of their top thirty prospects at the end of the twenty one season. Um, you know, that said, I think you're going to see him play mainly against right-handed pitching. Um, I think the other two guys will probably get more of the defense at first base. I I think that the team at times, the issue is still going to be, do they score enough? Um, But I think they're going to stop people from scoring. And I think, you know, they're, Pretty good team, man. I I, I certainly think it's going to be, it's going to be fun to watch. I would be surprised if Bellinger, like Bellinger doesn't have to have some monster season to give them a bump in center field and to be a good bit better than what he's been the last couple of seasons. So I feel good, excited. I'm also interested to watch guys like Justin Steele grow. Um, I'm biased towards guys like Horner and Hap because I like them as people. And I love watching. They have such good process in terms of preparation. They work so hard. I thought Ian worked so hard defensively. He so deserved the gold glove. I think Nico will win the gold glove at second base this year. Like, I mean, I'll say it. I think Nico will win the gold glove at second base this year. Um, And I think – we're probably a season away from say Suzuki being, you know, at his, as, as a player in the major leagues. And I think you're going to like him even more this season. So I'm excited to watch our team. I am. Boog, I just want us to throw our weight around. Like I know you see it when you go to the Pittsburgh's and the Cincinnati's and and sometimes the Brewers. I just want us to throw our weight around in this division again. It's been yep. too long since we've done it, and hopefully the guys that you talked about can get us to a position. When we potentially get into July and we're, we're, we're playing well, we can make a move that might help this team propel us into the postseason. That's, that's just what I'm looking for again. I'm not yeah. necessarily looking for a division winner. I'm just yeah. looking for us to, to carry ourselves like we used to, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I get it. I mean, I think – steps, right? What about Bob? But I, I would say yeah, you 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 want to see them take a step in that direction. Um let me ask you your question you asked me about a specific player was a great question and I I failed you, did. but my my question to you guys on the spot would be something you want to see on our broadcast or broadcasts in general that you need more of. Like what's something in baseball broadcasts in 2023 that you want to see more of on marquee or even, you know, I guess even less of, but I, you know, Bug, I, I was actually taught, I didn't bring this up to the people at marquee, but I do know a few of them. And, and I, I let off the whole all my conversations with, am I being too hard on you guys this year? Because I, I don't want to. I, I want to look at this optimistically. What gets me fired up, Boog, and maybe this is a bizarre idea, but I would love to see some like live fan reactions at the federal landmark. If you could find a way to find a fan that's not going to say anything uh, irresponsible, anything vulgar, anything ridiculous. I'd love to check in on the guy who's sitting out in left field, who's been grinding for the last two right. and a half hours. He might be three or four beers deep, but I want him to give us a pep talk on how we're going to get back in this game down two runs. I, I want to know. <laughs> I, I want to know from the people, because you know yeah. there's people out there, boob, that yeah. go hit the, the the troughs in the eighth inning. We're down yeah. one, and they rally around one another, and they, they got some type of vibe um, that's growing. I want to hear from them on the broadcast. Again, yeah. it might be hit or miss. Because it's it's tough, but I would love to hear from the fans inside the ballpark on how they could get the, the team fired up. How they could get fans who are watching at home fired up. Because we do hear it a lot from Twitter. I think there's something there. I think there's something there. Maybe I'm wrong. I think there's something there. Fan pep talk. All right. We'll, Some take, it under, we'll take it under advisement. I will say this. I don't I still think that there – it's like I can say it and then you watch it, but I just don't think. I get it, but I don't think that general idea or self-aware in terms of, I'll tell you this right now, I swear it to you, if the Cubs had won 100 games each of the last two years, you guys would think Marquee Sports Network was the greatest sports network you'd ever seen in your entire life. Boog, I think you all do a great job. And I just want to make sure you know that. I say it to all the people that I know there to their face. You guys do a fantastic job. You've just had a hard job. You have a hard. It's it's yeah. a it's a tough thing to do. Yeah, I'm not saying you have things working against you, but you're you're in a you're in a different position because you're trying to replicate, not necessarily replicate, but you're trying to to follow up one of the greatest, uh, yes. you know, broadcasting stations for in, in baseball history. Every 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 single fan who any any fan that has some semblance of the history of the game knows what WGN is. And, and when you walk into that job and, and when you take, not necessarily you, but everyone takes over the broadcasting of the Chicago Cubs, you are at in some way a disadvantage because of the history that was uh, in front of you. So I, I want to make sure you know, and I, I try to tell everybody again, you do a really good job. It's just, you know, it's going to take a lot of fans time to get used to what marquee is. Yeah. I, I, no, I get it. I get it. I get it. Um, I It's uh, in the end, I, I think that it's going to be one of those things that we're all going to ultimately enjoy. I think Absolutely. There, there, there will Listen, be a, there, there will be a happy ending. Definitely. And Boog, I, you know, I just hope you understand all, all the people out there, all the young Cubs fans that in, in 10, 15 years are going to look back and say, man, Boog was my guy. You know, I, in fifth grade, I, I was, I was watching Boog, you know calling you know the day game homers from Ian Happ at the Federal Landmark because that's how I think back to Chip Gary that's how I think back to Len that's how I think back to Ron Sano calling the games uh you know well, it's funny that, that because was formative years for me I was actually I was hosting baseball tonight the day Dansby Swanson went first overall and we take an interview with him and I was just counting down about ready to interview Dansby. This is back in fifteen, and before we started, he said, "Hey, can I ask you a quick question?" I'm like, "Yeah." He goes, "Did you used to do the Atlanta Braves?" And I said, "Yeah." And he said, "Oh, I used to watch you growing up." Yeah, yeah. So it- I mean, it's 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 funny. Like, and now and now here we are, and he's with the Cubs, and I'm with the Cubs. It's pretty cool. You're you're an integral part to the Cubs fan experience, and that's why I think. If you, it, not saying you in particular, but if the network does receive any backlash, it's because of how important the fans views your job and, and everything that happens with broadcasting Cubs baseball. Yeah, Cubs baseball, it's important. There's a lot of weight. There's a lot of weight to it. Boo, we appreciate I all a the lot time you've given us. Um, thank you again. Uh, you, you've been very gracious with your time. My pleasure. I- I hope we can do this uh, again in the future when you're not so busy, but I know there's a lot of things coming up and you have a lot of ton of work to do. So thank you again for your time. And uh, we appreciate you you joining us. Thank you for, uh, for having me. I'm, I'm definitely feeling the morale. There's no question. Thank you, Boob.